Welcome to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grosser. It gives me great pleasure to welcome regular co-host of What's Making News, Russell Hanby. Welcome, Russell. Thanks, Henry. How are you today, my friend? I'm um, well, thanks. We had a, on Thursday, we had a spite of hot weather, 24 or 5 degrees or something. Yeah, it? it was a warm one, windy and warm, but the, the wet weather's going to settle in over the weekend. So, um, yes. Uh, well, it is springtime and you do get windy weather and rain in Melbourne and Victoria, don't you? That's right. We get the real mixture, don't we? We do. It's the turbulent change. It's the opposite, uh, isn't it, as a rule, the mirror opposite to autumn, which goes into those, what is it? Um, there's a question for you, but it's not homework. Um, seasons of mists and mellow fruitfulness. Mm, famous line comes from a, a famous English poet. But we'll leave that one. But uh, autumn is the mellow mists and... What is it? Mists and mellow fruitfulness. Beautiful line, that. Um, but yeah. this is not that. This is turbulent, and uh, but it'll settle down into summer. Anyway, um, you've got homework. We'll do that later. That's a nice little thing. Have you done your homework? I just want to know yeah. before we start. Oh, yeah, yes, yes, I've done a little bit, yes. Oh, wonderful, because I've got a new lot for you, but we'll save all that up till later. Um, the Herald Sun. Oh, before we go on, I do, I do want to commiserate with you. Oh, oh well, at least we made it to the spot, the finals. That's the one thing, isn't it? Oh, I knew you'd say that. And is that implying yeah. that my team didn't? Yes. No, well, the team, <laughs> team, team teams uh, didn't make it, so that's one gosh, thing. Gosh, that is true. Anyway, well, you did well. You got, got in there and you, you beat a lot of other teams that didn't, 10 other teams, including my team. But people are not here to talk football. They're here to talk the news and your homework. But firstly, the Herald Sun, Russell, no Pfizer fallback. Australians over 60 are being urged by the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, to get the AstraZeneca vaccine now or end up at the back of the queue when Pfizer supply ramps up. Yes. Uh, well, medical experts uh, are also considering whether to shorten the time between AstraZeneca doses from uh, 12 weeks down to six weeks. That will allow people to be fully vaccinated earlier. Uh, Premier Daniel Andrews flagged vaccines would be mandatory for some, uh, for several industries, but he didn't say which groups would be targeted. Now, they're, currently, they're going to send out letters to 586,713 people aged between 60 and 69. That'll come from the Prime Minister, Health Minister Greg Hunt, and Australia's Chief Medical Officer, Professor Paul Kelly, encouraging them to get their AZ jabs. In fact, there are more than 3 million AstraZeneca doses in fridges, and that is the recommended jab for, for the over-60s. It's interesting, um, that, isn't it? It's, um, it's just remained controversial uh, ever since um, the conflicting news was put out by health authorities and the Prime Minister just some months ago about how AstraZeneca might not be the best option to take. That's right. And uh, so there seems to be the preferred option for over 60s and uh, and for the young ones, it's the Pfizer. But uh, in October, um, a new wave of Pfizer doses, in fact, 9 million, that'll arrive. But it will be prioritised to the 9.8 million people aged between 12 and 39. And so the older people uh, will be right at the end of the queue. I know a few people are hanging out for Pfizer in the older age group, but it looks like they'll be down the bottom of the list. Yeah, look, it's uh, it's an interesting one, and we've covered this one so many times. And um, honestly, uh, a lot of this could have been avoided if they'd got it right in the first place. 
uh, right. in, in a number of ways. And now we're still chasing our tails and things aren't looking good because our numbers are going up and the Delta variant's extremely hard to eradicate and you're now seeing a real polarisation of opinion. People are sick of the lockdown and they want things to open up. And, of course, um, we know what happens when you open up. And I, I think the biggest worry now, Russell, um, and I can understand it, I'm sick of it too, is what's, how's our health system going to cope? That's the big well, issue. It is, isn't it? Yes. It's just and probably it, not. It, no, and, of course, we've got virtual shutdowns. Of hospital. I hear the, uh, is it the Alfred Hospital, I think, has got a wave of, of people there yesterday. And yeah. uh, so the Royal Melbourne, of course. So once you take uh, medical people into furloughs, as they call them, uh, that makes it even stronger stress on the, on the places, isn't it? Yeah, I know. Look, it's, we're, we're, we're caught, look, we're caught between a rock and a hard place. And unfortunately, if it hadn't been declared a no race many, many months ago, um, we might have been and should have probably been in a much better position than we are now. But, of course, that's, that's not going to change anything in the short term. Uh, the AstraZeneca one's interesting, isn't it, Russell? Because there was some evidence came out earlier this week and it showed from some international studies that um, the chances of getting a blood clot um, per million uh, if you had AstraZeneca vaccine versus nothing as a normal person it was 66 more people per million would get blood clots than people who didn't take anything right right yes but you've got to compare that with the other stat and that is the people who get COVID have over 12,000 per million higher rate of blood clots than people who don't have the vaccine. So you're looking at, if you're looking at risk and you're a mathematical person, 66 more per million for AstraZeneca versus over 12,000 if you get more per million if you get COVID. And uh, the, the longer we go down this and the numbers rise, the risk of getting COVID is higher. So from a purely statistical angle, it, there isn't any logic, and especially since we've been slow on the uptake, Russell, and we don't have Pfizer, um, purely on the numbers, the, the, it doesn't stack up that people should be holding out for no. um, Pfizer. It, it's not a really sensible thing. But um, we're where we are and uh, just let's hope that people, people, um, people start listening to the latest advice we got. That's right. And we are getting about 4 million Moderna jabs from Spain. That's a similar one to Pfizer. That's coming in September, October. But it's just a matter of people who stop their sort of reluctance and get on with it, isn't it? Well, yeah. Um, I know. Look, Russell, we, I think everyone's tired of the lockdown. Everyone's tired of hearing the same old arguments again and again. Um, I just hope that in the current state of flat mood and frustration and people struggling, we don't chuck away the good work that has been done um, for perhaps a short-term 
very short-term gain. It's a, yeah. Yes, yeah. it is. And the philosophy seems to be changing this week, doesn't it, from suppressing down to zero cases to living with it and looking at the 70 to 80% vaccination rate as being the passport out, doesn't it? Well, that's the way they're talking, and I understand that, Russell. But if you look at a country like Israel, which is a leading country in vaccination, they got to 80% and then they opened up a bit. And now they've got many thousands per day. Um, it's just exploded. So <laughs> once you've still got, you know, millions of people unvaccinated, you, you, you risk exploding. This, this magic number of 80% of the eligible population being vaccinated, um, I, can, I can understand that point. But at the same time, we're, we're going to be doomed. We're going to be doomed to um, some pretty bad figures, uh, even so. So it's, uh, as I said at the beginning, Russ, we're in a rock and a hard place. That's, r- that's right. Of course, I think statistically they're finding that people who have been double vaxxed particularly don't end up in hospital, or if they do, it's much more mild than those who don't, isn't it? Which is Absolutely. The- that's why vaccination is the key out of is is the key to the door of the getting out of this um, less scathed. We need to take a short break, my friend, and we've still got a few to go. We got caught up on that, but I think it's sort of a bit overwhelming uh, at the moment, uh, uh, the coronavirus. But we've got some other topics after the break. Can you hold the line? Yes, certainly. Welcome back to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grossack, and I'm with Russell Hanby, my co-host on What's Making News. Welcome back, Russ. Thanks, Henry. Have a go now. Your turn. Right. Okay, well, from the age, uh, artist seizes moment and people's award. On a boat trip to the Great Barrier Reef a few years ago, the crew warned the passengers of rough seas. Melbourne artist Julia Chikorani and her daughter rushed to the front of the vessel while others retreated. That became the inspiration for a painting, and the result was a self-portrait with turbulent seas behind her. It was named people's favourite in this year's lockdown interrupted Archibald Prize. It was entitled The Sea Within, and it won from 52 Archibald finalists. That was out of the second highest number of entries on record, 938. And uh, Chikaroni, she paints herself wrapped in a blanket from her childhood, her hand resting on a suitcase her migrant father brought to Australia from his home in Italy. And the idea actually came while she was swimming at Apollo Bay. And uh, Chikaroni says she was grateful that people are still engaged with environmental concerns amid such turmoil, both nationally and internationally. So it's rather a, a good poignant uh, painting for the times, isn't it? Yeah, it's, an, it's a fascinating one too. It's um, very interesting. You can look at it and get quite a few different views on on, on interpreting it. And uh, as she accepted her prize, Julia Ciccaroni said that the painting continued her interest in the environment and expressed the hope that Australia could embrace immigration more fully at this critical time. And she was grateful that people are still engaged with environmental concerns amid such turmoil, both nationally and internationally. So there's, as, as you, well, art is, it's very difficult for art not to be, in many cases, 
have a political edge to it, um, but clearly this one does too, and it's a, it's a fascinating painting and brilliantly done. But I like the story behind it. It's often the backstories are as interesting as what the front stories are. They they are yes, absolutely. Now Russell fears recede as economy expands. Now this is an interesting one. I looked at this one and I thought this is amazing because we've been fed nothing but doom and gloom about the economy and that uh, the pandemic and the recession as systemically is just destroying us economically, yet yet confidence is growing. I presume the federal government would be happy with this, can go to an election early next year with the economy strengthening out of the pandemic, pandemic after new figures showed households continuing their COVID-era buying spree. Yes. Now, the Australian Bureau of Statistics uh, showed that the economy expanded by 0.7% through the June quarter, and that took the annual growth to an all-time high of 9.6%. So we did uh, avoid a COVID-led uh, recession by being 0.7% in the in the black there. Um, now, this predates the current series of lockdowns, however, in New South Wales, Victoria and ACT. They have apparently, as we know, some devastating impacts on commerce, et cetera, at the moment. Now, economists uh, expect the September quarter national accounts could show the GDP falling 4% or more. Now, uh, Australia spent a record amount on clothes and footwear during these times. Expenditure on home office furnishings grew by 11.3%, higher than in the pre-virus peak, and uh, consumer spending of about $36 billion has grown by 15.4% in the last year. So people are spending up big, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And, of course, um, that's sort of had a positive impact on it. Of course, it's it's worth noting that some sectors, even with few lockdowns through the quarter, have yet to recover. Transport services down 68%. Uh, expenditure through hotels, cafes, restaurants, 18% lower. So it's not an even recovery. They very rarely are, but it isn't, and there's a lot of people doing it hard. But it it shows that economically it's not all, you know, um, catastrophe. No, if you look at the broader picture, the house prices in Melbourne and Sydney, uh, that Melbourne has increased 1.4%. To a median of nine hundred fifty-five thousand dollars, so the house prices haven't uh, suffered, haven't they? Have no. they so much? Yet? Of course, I wouldn't argue on that basis that we want this pandemic to continue. <laughs> I, I think there's a there's an end point to which um, we can keep on surging despite a pandemic. So let's hope let's hope that twenty twenty two is a better year all round for all of us. But uh, that that's a little a little ray of sunshine amidst. Uh, all the gloomy talk that we, you know, we, we indulge in and the moods we have and with justification. Right. What's going on? Are you going to get one of these? Well, well I, the scooter, I, I don't know. Probably not, uh, not immediately Why not? Anyway. You, that bike of yours is no damn good. The last time you rode it, you fell off. And what did you do? You wrecked your ankle or something? Oh, you wrecked my ankle. That was over a year ago now. But, uh, is it recovered? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. It was a, obviously a bad sprain. Yes. What, what, and, um, what, what about what about the pavement you landed on? How is it recovered? No. Yeah. Well, I actually landed on grass, so it wasn't too bad. <laughs> <laughs> but I still, when I go past or down that little hill, I always think of it. Do you know how when something happens, you, it takes a long time to forget things, doesn't it? Uh, yes. Yes, it can take a long time to forget things. So tell us all about these scooters. Yes. Well, this is from the Herald Sun. Scooter Green Light, Victorians could soon be scooting through the streets on e-scooters under a 12-month trial. The state government will this week announce 
before councils that will test the vehicles, which could start within weeks. And um, people will be able to hire and ride the vehicles on bike lanes and shared pedestrian and bicycle footpaths. Uh, they've got to have a speed limit of less than or equal to 50 kilometres per hour, can't ride on footpaths and will need helmets. Now, there are four places uh, to be trialled in, the City of Melbourne, Yarra, City of Port Phillip and the City of Ballarat. And the trial data could advise how e-scooters could be used by commuters as an alternative to car trips and tackling congestion and emission across the state. So imagine these are the scooters you you just like kids scooters, but they've got a motor and you can stand on them as you go along. Mm. Yeah, look, um, now they did have a project a little while ago with bikes and they axed them. 600 bikes were rolled out across 50 docking stations in the cities of Melbourne, Yarra and Port Phillip, but they weren't used much and they were scrapped. Also, they were vandalised, I think, and thrown in the river and all sorts of things. It was a bit of a costly scheme. But these scooters, yes, look, I had an experience of them a couple of years ago before the pandemic. I was in Santiago Chile, and they have them um, everywhere. And yes, they're they're a marvellous form of transport, and you get from point A to B rapidly. They've got port stations everywhere. You just use your credit card, um, and and you go, and uh, you, you're on the pavements. And I I was quite amazed at how easy they're. Much easier to ride than a bike. And that's right. Yeah, and um, they're very very popular, and you can. You can get a couple of kilometres, you know, easily without having to walk. And then, and they're, they're not hard to ride at all. No. You just, just step like on a, Just like a kid's scooter, isn't it, the old days? But you yeah. have to push with your yeah. feet, too. So in fact, I, you know, I was going to say, I was in Brisbane. Brisbane had them. I was in Brisbane early last year before the pandemic, and uh, everyone, you know, orange coloured there, and they're, they're everywhere, you know. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I think it's a worthwhile try and hopefully people pick up on it. The odd spot, Russell, what do you think of this one? Well, workers at the Seattle airport found themselves in an unappetising situation when a sizeable slab of raw chicken wound up on a baggage carousel. We hear at one time these wings and thighs were cooped up in a cooler, the Transportation Security Administration posted to Instagram. Now, somewhere between baggage and the carousel, they became free range. Meat should be properly packaged to avoid any further ruffling of feathers. <laughs> so <laughs> raw meat ended up on the conveyor belt. <laughs> Absolutely. And I like the puns in 10. I think the funniest part about that is the way they've made the puns. <laughs> yes. Yeah, <it's> right. <laughs> Using words. Um, Sort of stuff we try to get away with at times, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. That takes care of that. Uh, Russell, you have a great weekend and uh, get on your scooter if you can find one and scoot to What's Making News next week. <laughs> All right, I'll try. That was Russell Hanby and What's Making News. Yeah, those scooters, I reckon they're worth a try. I, I enjoyed them when I was in Chile a few years ago, riding them around the town. you just got to watch that you don't run into people, that's it, because you share the pavements with the people. You're not on the road with the cars, which you are with the bikes, uh, a bit more. Um, that takes us out. Let's just have a great weekend, safe weekend, and we'll catch you same time next week.